0: Good morning all, it's it's such a gift to be with you guys today. Uh, Let me just say that before we get started, if you want to turn your Bibles to Colossians 4 verses 2 through 6, that's where we'll be camping out today. But before we dive into that text, I want to throw an image up on the screen here. Now this is video footage of the Northern Lights. Just a show of hands, have any of you seen the Northern Lights in person? Okay, a couple of us sprinkled throughout the room. I have to confess this morning, uh, I envy you. And I envy you because it is at the very top of my bucket list to see this phenomenon. I mean, we could literally just stand here for the next 20 or so minutes, and I wouldn't think it's a complete waste of time. You might not feel the same way, so we won't do that. But let me tell you, isn't it just screaming to us that it's worthy of our attention? It's that captivating, isn't it? And I love that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, this is what it says. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That text is, is a similar message as to what Paul and the word of God is gonna be speaking to us today. Paul shackled down in chains as he's writing to a church he has never seen before. Paul is writing a letter to the only church that he writes to that he did not plant with his own two hands. And what he's saying is, if you wanna lead a life that is captivating, if you want to lead a life that is worthy of attention the way the northern lights are, you have to pursue fruitful relationships with others. Fruitful relationships. So let's dive into the text here. Colossians 4 verse 2 says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It's the word of God. So what Paul has just laid out for us is a kind of three-step approach to actually do this, to accomplish this, to pursue fruitful relationships with others. And the three-step approach is this. We have to be a people that prepare properly. It's a tongue twister for you. A people that prepare properly. Second, you have to be a people, we have to be a people that walk wisely. And third, we have to be a people, and this is where we're going to spend the most of our time, that speak winsomely. That speak winsomely. So let's dive into the first to prepare properly. Look back with me at verse 2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So Paul's first declaration, to us, his first commendation to us is this, be a people that pray. Now I have to, I have to say this, Uh, When I started my morning here at Woods Edge, I got to be in that prayer corner with several of your prayer team. And, And let me tell you, that's been the bright spot of my morning today, getting hands laid on me and prayed over. That has been the singular best moment today. And so I know that you long to be a people that pray, and I love that. And so Paul's recommendation is this, position yourself often on your knees. Be a people that are regular there. And he uses this very strategic word, continue steadfastly. Now, this word is strategic because of this. Jesus used a very similar word. The root word is the same that Jesus would use to his disciples when he would say, boys, uh, I'm going to go pray for a while or or I'm going to go talk to these folks. Continue steadfastly. Get the boat ready. I will be back. Get the boat ready. Continue steadfastly. I will come back. Now, I have to ask you, do you pray in such a way where you fully anticipate that Jesus is coming back on the scene? Do you pray in such a way that you are confident that Jesus is not coming only in presence, but in power, that he's coming back to the boat? So Paul's first recommendation is this, be a people that pray with a future expectation that Jesus will come in power when you pray. He doesn't stop there. He says, be watchful. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. Now, this is kind of a decorative statement that Paul uses. He's actually saying, stay alert. Stay alert as you pray. And the reason Paul is saying this is because he's talked for chapters earlier on in Colossians about how uh, waves of doubt will try to overtake you. Drifting doctrines will try to sweep you away. And the fact of the matter is we live in a broken world, don't we? Hurricane Harvey did a great job of reminding us of this reality. We live in a broken system. And the sad truth is that you and I collectively together, we actually add to the brokenness. We are broken people living in a broken world and it furthers the broken system we live in. And Paul is saying, be watchful. There's temptations lurking around every crevice and corner, every nook and cranny, be watchful. So not just with the future hopes that we pray, not just understanding the present reality that we live in, he says this, do it with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Now, I think we'd all agree that gratefulness is probably a virtue we all want more of. It's just one of those virtues where we'd say, yes and amen, we need that. The fact of the matter is when when gratitude is most simple, when it's easy, is when share prices are skyrocketing and uh, promotions are looming and marriages are just clicking and children are obeying. Those are the seasons where it's really easy to just, yeah, God, I'm grateful today. Now, for every other season, those seasons are more difficult, aren't they? To be grateful. And I love that the Bible from cover to cover says one action verb as to how we can inspire more gratitude within us. And that action verb is remember remember we were singing about this morning did you feel it god has been faithful on his promises we stand he has never failed why would he start now so the way that we can constantly be grateful is that we would remember the times that god you were faithful in that hard spot that spot where i felt like everything was going awry you were there you got me through that time and think about that 2,000 years ago, Jesus even unto death was faithful to you and to me. He won't leave us now. We have to be a people that remember and that's how we can be praying in gratitude with thanksgiving. So first step to preparing properly to have fruitful relationships with the world is that we are a people that position regularly on our knees and pray. Then Paul doesn't just say pray in this way. He says this, verse three, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, I want to pause here because what Paul's just done is said this. Don't just be watchful in your prayers. Watch me. Watch me in your prayers. See how I've modeled my life, how I've done this. Watch me. And what Paul is saying is a little absurd. We have to really dig in to understand the nonsensical nature of Paul's statement. He's saying, guys, you know, I'm penning this letter and I'm in prison. I'm shackled down. And the thing that keeps getting me there is these open doors that I keep asking about. So won't you pray for another open door that'll lead to another prison? Can you pray for that? Now think of it this way. Uh, my, f- my family and my close friends know this very well about me. Year after year, I take an annual staycation over to Houston Methodist uh, because I had it surgically repaired. Just my, I get injuries galore. Severe sports injuries, just two months ago, torn labrum for the second time in my shoulder, uh, torn Achilles tendon, torn meniscus in my knee, broken arm, broken foot. How do you break a foot? Broken toe, broken finger, the list goes on. It's, it's rough, you can laugh, it's fine. I see some of you smirking, it's okay. Uh, I just understand that this, just the hand that God's dealt me, I'm okay with it. And the reality is this, imagine now, God forbid next year I'm right back at Houston Methodist, yearly staycation, and I'm laying in that bed and you and all your goodness, you come and visit me. And you're standing at the edge of that bed and you're not laughing at at me as you were just a second ago. And you say, Peter, what can we do for you? And I say, you know what you could do? You could pray. And you say, yeah, we can pray. Absolutely. And I say, you know what? Pray really specifically though. Pray that next year, I get right back in this hospital bed with another injury. Pray for that. Now, I hope you would say, no, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Unless, unless like Paul, my singular aim is open doors of opportunity. If open doors lead me to hospital beds every year, and that is my sole focus in life, my singular aim, then all of a sudden I can say, pray for that. Pray for me. That i would keep getting these doors of opportunity in spite of the bumps and the bruises along the way, pray, pray for more doors. So the second step in preparing properly is this, will you count the cost? Will you be a people that count the cost? It's gonna be hard. Fruitful relationships with others doesn't come easy. Paul is very clear. It gets him into prison. It gets me into hospital beds. Now, the second step. The second step after preparing properly is to walk wisely. Look back in the text with me. Verse 5, it says this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, I think it would be pretty simple for you and I collectively together. We could probably come up with a really great definition of wisdom. Wisdom right? Wisdom is not simply a gathering of head knowledge or intellect. What wisdom is, is actually putting into practice those things regularly, daily, in fact. So with that said, Paul says, walk wisely. And I'm really glad he didn't stop there. Walk wisely, aimlessly, go for it. He gives us the path. He says, toward outsiders. Now, the word toward denotes within its own word, within its own definition, that there is both a pursuit and a response. There's intentional interaction. And then he gives it the destination, outsiders. Now, this literally means in the Greek, those that are without. So in this context, Paul is saying there's a path to walk wisely, and that is toward outsiders, towards people that do not have something that you now have. What is he talking about? Hope, the hope of glory. You now have this unshakable identity. In chapter one, Paul goes on and on. You have this rootedness in Jesus Christ. And guess what? He is cosmic. He is above every ruler, above every authority. You know, his name is Jesus. And now he rules your life. He's the foundation. And it changes everything about everything. You have a hope for a lifetime and an eternity. And there are those without it. Right around you, all around you. Paul says, walk wisely toward them immediately we realize though Paul doesn't stop there yet again he says making the best use of the time now i love the esv translation for so many reasons i dislike this particular translated phrase because a better word that other translation use other translation use excuse me are redeem the time redeem the time because what that word literally means is to purchase out from the captivity of another so the best word would probably be ransom Ransom the time. Now, I don't know about you, how many of you actually believe your time is in captivity right now? It has to be ransomed out from the control of someone else. That's probably not the thought you woke up with this morning. But the fact of the matter is, with a simple swipe of a finger, hours are gone. Am I right? A night of simple entertainment turns into an entire day's worth of binging. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves realizing that time, our time, is held captive by something else. What we have to do is ransom it ransom it back. The way that we can do that is by rearranging our schedules, reordering our steps and our calendars. If you do not have intentional interaction, intentional, with people that are without hope in this world, that don't know God the way you get to, let me tell you, Paul is saying walk wisely. It is wise to intentionally interact with them. And just like so many other things, it won't happen unless it's actually in your calendar. So now we realize We have to be a people in order to lead a life that is captivating, posturing ourselves on our knees regularly. Then we have to count the cost, and as we do so, we will walk wisely toward those without hope. Now the third step, and this is where we'll spend the most of our time. Speak winsomely. Speak winsomely. Look with me in verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, I have this close friend. Her name is Joanne, and, and she's a college buddy of mine, and, and you probably have a friend like this. Over several years, she loves to instigate trouble. Right? She just We should just go on an adventure. And so the phrase she would use to get us to do that is this, don't just talk about it, be about it. And all of us have heard a phrase like this, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, is probably the most common what Paul does here is he flips that statement on its head he says you cannot just be about it you have to talk about it you cannot just walk the walk you have to talk the talk you see the struggle for you and I today in our day and age is this we have been convinced 21st century western Christian culture that we can be Christian and just live decent lives just just live well Now, I've been poring over this for years now and I have yet to find where that is a reality here. That we can be Christians, that we can follow Jesus and just be about it. That we don't have to talk about it. That we can use words when necessary. What Paul is saying is here is you have to talk about it. The gospel is good news. It must be shared. And that's our role. So, I love that Paul goes deeper. He gives us a few clarifiers. Verse six, let your speech always be gracious. Now, here in the church context, we love that word grace, don't we? I feel like we're Oprah with that word. You you get grace and, and you get grace and you over there, you get grace. And all of a sudden we love that word. It's a trigger word for us in church. We lose sight of its meaning sometimes. That the word grace means it's receiving a benefit that you've done nothing, nothing to earn or deserve. Now, for honest, the vast majority of people in our lives fall into this category. The barista you see every morning that misspells your name every single day on that cup—do they really deserve an extra benefit from you? Or the coworker you see on the elevator at 8:15 every morning who just looks like they're miserable yet again and that has no intention of talking to you? Does that coworker, does he deserve any extra benefit from you? Or the neighbor every weekend as you're working on the lawn and and you peer over the fence and you see him and and you smile and you wave and they've yet to ever smile or wave back. Does that neighbor deserve or or have they earned anything from you? The honest answer is no. They've done nothing to earn anything. And yet what does Paul say? Let your speech always be gracious. Let it not only pursue, let it embrace people that have done nothing to earn it. Let it always be filled with grace. Let it be like a hug. It has to embrace people that way that have done nothing to deserve it. That's the first step. Let your speech always be gracious, and I love this phrase, seasoned with salt. Now, in Paul's day and age, salt was used mainly to preserve food. On top of that, though, it was also used to make food more palatable, more tasty. And so what Paul is saying here is something uh, really unique, really culturally uh, just well phrased, and it's this. It's not just important that you speak about it. It's important how. It's important how you speak about it. Now, one of the many blessings in my life, one of the top blessings, is that I get to be the son of my mother. And this is Mama Kim up on the screen here. And Mama Kim, look at her just working her magic in the kitchen. It's Mama Kim's kitchen. I'm telling you, I'm willing to go to the bank that she is a better cook than all of you. All of you. I'm willing to go to the bank on that statement. And uh, so I've had the amazing privilege that we have a family tradition that I love, uh, that I don't get to partake in much anymore. But every Sunday morning as a child, I'd wake up to the scent of the sweet aroma filling my nostrils. Because every Sunday morning, we'd have this giant family feast. And I'd make my way down the steps and I'd peer into the kitchen. And my mom's there with a big smile on her face. She says, come over here. And she puts a little taster into my mouth and asks me the same two questions without fail, week after week. First one, is it good? Does it taste good? Mom, of course it tastes good. It always tastes good. Why would you ask me that? Second question, without fail, week after week. uh, Is it it salty enough? Now, I don't know what it is about Korean cuisine. Korean cuisine is bursting with flavor, every dish, every single one. Also, in the Korean vernacular, there's a certain nuance in it. The word for saltiness equates to, is, is interchangeable with the word for tastiness. So my mom is is literally asking me, is is it salty enough? What she really means is, son, is it tasty enough? And of course, I would respond in the same way. Mom, of course, why would you ask me that? You always ask these questions and I respond in the same way. It's perfect. I don't want to wait for dad to come down or or, or my sisters to get here. Can we just eat already? I'll I'll eat by myself. Let's start the meal. And I have to ask you this morning, do you speak in such a way? about the things of God? Do you talk about the way that Jesus has intersected your path in such a way that people are just leaning in like, yeah, I wanna taste that, I want more of that? Does the way you talk about coming to church on Sunday mornings, on Saturday nights entice people? Do they really want the main dish now? Do you speak in such a way that is winsome, that is salty all over it, that people are just longing They're longing for the main entree. Do you speak like that about the things of God? Do you speak like that about him? Now, I love that Paul yet again gives us these statements that just come right after the other. And he finishes verse six in this way, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And he gives us so that statement. Now, uh, just a hint here, whenever the Bible gives you a so that, pay real close attention. Pay real close attention. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, I love Chick-fil-A. And I would be shocked if anyone here doesn't love Chick-fil-A. And something about Chick-fil-A is it can just make a bad day just right. You know what I mean? Can I get an amen for that? Chick-fil-A. Something about that stuff. Um, And so... I had a day like that several weeks ago, just a string of rough meetings. 5 p.m. rolls around. I'm thinking, you know what I really need to turn this day around? I need my four-piece chicken tender combo with waffle fries, Chick-fil-A sauce, and a cup of sweet tea. That's what I need. And so I make my way over to my Chick-fil-A in the city, get my food, I put it in my passenger seat, great. I put my hand out, fully anticipating my cup of sweet tea to enter it. Nothing comes. And I look, and the Chick-fil-A employee says this, sir, I'm so sorry. We actually just ran out of sweet tea just now. Do you mind waiting seven to eight minutes or so for the next batch to brew? Or I can get you something else, I'm really sorry. And I'm just, uh, I've had a rough day, you see. How do I explain this to you? What I really needed to make this day just right was my four-piece chicken tender combo with waffle fries and Chick-fil-A sauce and my cup of sweet tea. This is all going on internally, of course. But as I'm thinking about this, is it really worth it? Seven to eight minutes for sweet tea? Yeah, it's worth it. But before I can even respond uh, to the Chick-fil-A employee, she she looks at me and says, well, sir, just one second. Goes away for a few brief moments. And she comes back with a cup of sweet tea. And in my moment of absolute ecstasy and excitement, I say, oh, thank God. Thank God. And before I could even finish my sentence, you know what the Chick-fil-A employee responds with? What every Chick-fil-A employee is trained to respond with the moment they hear the words thank you, which are, it's my pleasure and so now we're in this really awkward moment you see I just thank God for sweet tea and this Chick-fil-a employee just said that it was her pleasure that's not how that conversation should go and so uh, I did what any kind-hearted individual would do and I just stepped on the gas I didn't even look at her I just I'm not gonna let you wallow in this shameful moment I'm gone and I promise this relates to the text just like the Chick-fil-a employee what Paul is saying is it ought to be that natural it ought to bubble out of us we ought to want it to, it's my pleasure it ought to bubble out of us that's how often and, and regularly we should be talking about the things of God it is so much impacting what's within it's just coming out it's my pleasure unlike the Chick-fil-a employee it ought to be different person to person now hear this because this is important we love one size fits all types of things. We love seven easy steps to remove clutter in your life or five easy ways to be successful. We love those patented just, yes, I can do that. I can assure you there is no five easy step process to win all your friends and family to Jesus. It, it doesn't exist, I've looked. It doesn't exist out there. And the reason that, that is the case is because Paul is saying it right here. In the same way that each dish is deserving of different amounts of salt, Each person is also deserving of different timetables, of different heart-to-heart conversations, of different amounts of prayer and effort and resources. Let me tell you, each person is deserving of that distinguishment. We have to take ownership of that. It increases the the effort on our end. It increases the the onus on us. And yet what Paul is saying is it's different, person to person. There is no one-size-fits-all. That's how you speak winsomely. Now, now we've learned. We've learned how we can start to begin to lead a captivating life. We prepare properly by falling to our knees often and counting the cost as we do so. Then we begin to take strides, we walk wisely towards those that are without hope in this world. And then we find ourselves speaking winsomely in ways that just make people just wanna lean in a little bit more. But it begs the question, why? Why, preacher man, why why should I want that to happen? And let me tell you, because at one time or another, maybe even today, we were all once outsiders to God. And you know what God did? Because it's so innate within him to do this. Jesus comes to earth and takes on flesh. 2,000 years ago, he lived the life that you could not live. And he died the death that you and I deserved. And as he hung on that old rugged cross, open to scorn and shame, he bore the weight of every single one of our sins and all of our sorrows. And what he did in that moment is he extended out a hand and said, there's relationship available now between you and the divine. Us and God, we get to actually have relationship. And the best part about that story is that it doesn't end there, right? It doesn't end there. On the third day, death could not hold him. Amen? he kicked down the doors of death and of sin and of Satan himself. And what he threw in that tomb instead is all of those things and he shut the door on it. And says, now all of a sudden, for you in the room who have not accepted this, let me tell you, Jesus has relentlessly pursued you. He's chasing you still. And for those of you that have accepted this, that have accepted Jesus in your hearts as your savior and as your Lord, the invitation is extended today. Won't you pursue those without hope the same way he pursued you Praying for you often, walking in wisdom toward you, and speaking winsomely for you. Won't you be like your Savior? Won't you be like Jesus in that way? Now, in conclusion, um, we're going to throw up the image of the Northern Lights one last time just because I like it so much. And for all of the otherworldliness of this site, There is a very logical and scientific explanation uh, that the sun is so powerful, it's as if a thousand nuclear plants are imploding all the time, simultaneously. And every once in a while, a solar flare occurs, and solar winds carry that flare at 8 million kilometers an hour, 8 million. And for 18 hours, it travels at that velocity, comes into the Earth's atmosphere. I learned all this this week. And there's an electromagnetic field that covers the earth like a shield. And it's like an hourglass around the globe. Now what happens is that these solar flares are carried by these solar winds at 8 million kilometers per hour. It goes around the the protective field and it pulses at the poles, which is where we get morning aurora, where we get to see the northern lights in the day. Then it shoots back out on the other side. Some of it leaves. Some of it comes right on back where we get evening aurora, where we get to see the, the northern lights across the night sky. Now, the invitation today is this. If you want to shine like the brightness of the sky above, like stars forever and ever, there is a God. There is a God that is all-powerful. And it is within his kindness and character he is pleased to send forth the holy spirit to you and to me and winds at greater velocities the winds behind our sails of the spirit will come at greater strength and greater velocity than the sun could ever muster up and when we pray unto that end and we begin to walk wisely and speak winsomely we'll find our lives in that beautiful collision look a lot like this We all of a sudden are leading captivating lives because we're pursuing people for fruitful relationships. We're looking a lot like Jesus did, aren't we? So won't you commit today, won't you resolve today to lead a captivating life, to pursue fruitful relationships with those without hope? Amen? Let's pray. God, we... We are stunned. We're stunned even looking at this sight that the same God that created the, the heavens, the moons and the stars, God, that you are the same God that knows us by name. That Lord, you have numbered our days, that you know every uh, hair on our head and, and God, it amazes me that you would know things like that so intimately. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that you would want to know me so well But make my heart believe that this this day make our hearts believe what is unbelievable that the god of the universe wants relationship with us and that those who have trusted in jesus have now received the mission the invitation to join you god towards those that are without that hope god we long to be a people that pray we long to be a people that posture ourselves in desperation because we long for intimacy And so, God, won't you bring us to a place where we can start to take steps in wisdom, where we can speak in such a way that just entices, that makes people want to lean in and know you more. God, I beg you that you would do that miraculous work. Do what only you can do. Transform our hearts as you transform the hearts of others in our lives. God, we long for that. We long for more of you. Jesus, we pray this in the matchless and perfect name of our King. Amen amen and so we get to partake in one more invitation from Jesus today that he wants to dine with us he wants us to join him at the table you see on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and said this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me and as he took the cup and he poured it out he said this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many do this in remembrance of me that as often as you eat of this bread and you drink this cup, we, together, we proclaim the Lord's death until Jesus comes again, and he is coming. Amen.